All right, guys, today we are going to discuss a topic that's not really talked about nearly enough. So young girls and body image. Now, of course, we've seen, you know, some of that information that's been revealed, you know, tells us what we all know, that social media plays a role in teenage girls' body image, right? But this has been a problem even before social media, right? And so this can be a very dangerous thing. And so today I'm joined by Sabrina Manya. I got my French right. Uh, She's a holistic (laughs) health mindset and habit coach. And we're going to discuss how we can handle healthy eating habits, dieting, body image issues in our daughters as they grow. So thank you, Sabrina, for joining us today. I appreciate your time. Thank you so much for having me and giving me the space to kind of spread, as you said, talk about a topic that doesn't get talked about enough. Absolutely. You know, so full disclosure, I don't have a daughter. I have a son, but I am a daughter. And I do remember a time back in high school where I didn't want to eat. You know, um, there were, I, I think it was my freshman year of high school. And I thought, you know, maybe I'll just eat a rice cake every day until dinner. You know, that'll hold me and and I'll lose weight, right? And I'll look like, we didn't have Facebook, but I would look like people on television and in the magazines, right? Mm-hmm. Um but I was I was really concerned with my weight at a very early age, and and it became very obsessive. And so this was before social media. So my question, Sabrina, first and foremost, is you know if we're talking to moms, what can mom do at an early age with her daughter to instill a good relationship with food? Yeah, absolutely. So the number one thing, and it's funny because I work with a lot of moms and a lot of moms who are concerned. What if the way that I'm eating, what if my patterns, my habits get passed down to my daughters, passed down to my sons? And so I would say that the very first step is to acknowledge that your kids are going to model your behaviors. And I know that you have a lot of moms who who listen and a lot of them can attest to the fact that kids will do what you do not what you say. And so the very first step is not necessarily to say these things to your kids, but it is to model the right kind of behavior, model the right kind of vocabulary around food, around your weight, around body image, around dieting, so that they grow up with this belief system, with this worldview that is positive, that is healthy, that is neutral when it comes to food and body image. So I would say that number one is really be aware of your language around food and taking away this sense of morality of some foods are going to be good and some foods are going to be bad and I always need to diet and I always need to watch my weight because the more that you associate those values to these foods are good, these foods are bad, we warp our worldview of listening to our bodies and knowing, okay, what foods make me feel good? What foods make us feel bad? Because we're all born with this innate ability to regulate. Okay, I'm, I eat when I'm hungry. I stop when I'm full. I eat foods that I enjoy. I eat foods that make me feel good. And foods that don't make me feel good... I will stop because they don't, they give me a stomach ache. They make me sluggish. We're all born with this innate ability and, and I call it this innate intuitive eating style. 
And then as we grow up, whether it is through magazines or what our parents teach us or what we see online, we externalize all of these things. We, we take in these rules and we take in what other people are telling us what we should eat, how we should eat, how much we should eat. And we distrust our body and we disconnect from our bodies as we grow older. You know, and it's really very dangerous. You know, I, I mean, one study I read reported, what was the number? Uh, at age 13, 53% of American girls are unhappy with their bodies. Now, uh, this number, they say, grows to 78% by the time girls reach 17. So, I mean, when you're dealing with moms who, now let's fast forward. We know that you should be modeling this behavior, right? Now, let's say you didn't and you're, you're faced with the situation. Now you've got a, a tween or a teen girl and, and, you know, they're already feeling something. Um, you know, what can mom do at that point? Now that we've, now that something has been established, what does mom do? You know, how do we, so what, what should we know about healthy eating habits? And I want to say dieting, but I know that that's not the right word, but, you know, healthy eating habits at this mm -hmm. age. Mm -hmm. and, and another statistic that's kind of scary is that dieters who, so girls who diet before the age of 15 are eight times more likely to develop an eating disorder. Wow. And so being really aware that my, my habits are going to likely be passed down to what my daughter, because she, this is what, this is all she knows. This is all she can model. That's really important to catch that. And so if right now you're like, okay, I'm noticing that maybe my eating habits, my patterns are, have been passed down to my daughter. What can I do about it? So number one is it's, it's important to acknowledge and to be aware of what your daughter's eating style is. So there's going to be, there's going to be four eating styles. So there's going to be number one, which is the unconscious eater. So that is when you are constantly on the go or you are eating without even realizing it. Maybe you're an emotional eater. Maybe you are someone who's been taught to clean your plate. So even if there's still food on your plate and you're full, you've been taught to clean it. And so you eat, you eat it even if you're beyond what your, your body's asking you. There's the waste not unconscious eater. So it's okay. Well, if I paid for it, I'm going to eat all of it even if my body is full. Oh my God, I do that sometimes with ice yeah. cream. I get it. I'm like, I bought this whole ice cream. I'm eating this whole thing. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And then there's, um, you know, the chaotic unconscious eater when you are, I work with a lot of nurses, which is I don't have time to eat. So it's whatever I can grab, right? A chocolate bar here, a soda there. And then you go really long periods of time without eating, and then when you do eventually have the opportunity to eat, your body's compensating because it hasn't gotten enough food during the day and you end up overeating and you end up feeling sick and then you end up beating yourself up. So that's the unconscious eater. Then you've got the professional dieter. So if you have a daughter who you're noticing is already talking about 
Weight Watchers or the Keto Diet or Cutting Back on Carbs or um, Intermittent Fasting, um, that's going to be a really a big red flag. Okay, I've, I'm, I've got an, a professional dieter. And of course, when you're young, it's, it's hard to say professional dieter. When I, when I work with women, they've done it for, you know, 20, 30 years of their life. But getting in that repeated pattern of, okay, I'm what's going to be the next diet that's going to make me feel better. That's going to make me feel confident. It's going to make me like my body. And then there's going to be the, um, God, why am I blanking? Oh, the careful eater. So this is a tricky line. Um, because, there's caring about your health and there's caring about your nutrition in a healthy way. And then there's going, crossing the line and doing it in a way that is harmful, where you are micromanaging every single calorie that you put into your body. I was a careful eater. Um, micromanaging every single calorie. You're looking at every label on every food. You are constantly, like you go to the restaurant and you're asking, okay, how did you make this food? Can I ask without butter? Can I ask without oil? You're like, the anxiety that comes along with food, it's so overwhelming that it's all you can think about. You're always thinking about new recipes. What are you going to eat tomorrow? What's going to be your next snack? So those are the three eating personalities to first be aware of. And then there's the last eating personality, which is what you want to strive for, which is the intuitive eater. And that is when you're unconstrained with all of these external rules and restrictions and messaging, you're eating in a way that feels good for you. You eat when you're hungry. You stop when you're full. There's no good foods. There's no bad foods. Yes, I can have a cake when I want it. I don't necessarily have to eat it every single day. Um, And yes, I can have a cookie, but I don't have to feel bad about it. And it's not like one cookie leads to the entire box. It's having a wide variety of food and not having this sense of I am good or bad based on my food choices. You know, I want to ask you something because, you know, I'm thinking about something here. You know, there's a mo. We we talked about emotional eating, right? But do you ever feel like there's like the reason people have these unhealthy eating habits is because there's something else like deeper going on here that is not being addressed? And you know, everybody has heard that cliche. You know, I'm heartbroken. I'll eat a tub of ice cream, right? You know, but I, I mean. I'll even use, I'll use myself as an example. We, you know, I come from an Italian American family and we use food as a way to whatever communicate. Um, We don't do words, we do food. So it's, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm sorry, it presents itself in the form of like a meal um, or like a a drop off uh, your favorite, whatever, Um, you know, I'll make you breakfast, your favorite. It's just like, it's very warped and and unhealthy. But um, what I will say is that, it's really um, what I've learned about myself is that um, it ma- it makes me feel better to eat that um, you know cake. But what happens when I I can't like I can't eat cake every day? You know, like every day, all day. You know, so like there's got to be something else. It's almost like a, an addiction in a sense where you know if you can't have those healthy boundaries, then there's a problem. There's a deeper issue going on there. Am I am I right? 
So one thing that I really try to be careful of is to not demonize emotional eating because so many times we think, oh my God, there's something wrong with me because I turn to food for when I'm feeling sad, when I'm feeling bored, when I go through a breakup. Everyone is going to emotionally eat. I emotionally eat. Mm -hmm. It's when it becomes your primary coping mechanism and you start using it as a way to numb yourself, to distract yourself, to not feel those feelings, that's when it becomes problematic. Okay. And I am not a believer that food is just fuel. I do think that food is an emotional thing. You know, food has a purpose of, I lived in Italy, so I know exactly what you mean of connecting people, mm-hmm. of showing your, your caring for people, showing your love for people. And when you do allow yourself to see, okay, cake, yeah, it doesn't have the most nutritional value. And if I were to eat it every single day, how would I physically feel? Right. Because when you can reconnect to how foods make you feel, and I love that you said, you know, a lot of it, there is a deeper layer to it. And that's very true. A lot of my clients because they don't see their own worth, there is a lot of, there's a lack of self-love. There is a lack of self-esteem. There's a lack of feeling like I deserve to feel good. I deserve to take time for myself. When you don't feel that way, then you start using your body as a kind of a garbage can. Doesn't Mm -hmm. matter. This food makes me feel like crap. Who cares? I'm not worth it. And so a lot of the work that I do with my clients is creating that that self-worth and finding that self-esteem beyond what your body looks like. Because it's not about how small your body is. It's not about, I'm going to be confident when... I am can fit into this clothes or when I hit that number on the scale. It never is actually about the way your body looks. And the best way to know that, to, to signify that is think of a picture that you see of yourself 20 years ago, 10 years ago, where you were 50 pounds lighter. What I hear all the time from women is, Gosh, I wish that back then I appreciated my body. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. And it's like, well, if you didn't appreciate your body and you didn't love yourself when you were 50 pounds lighter, when you were smaller, Mm -hmm. it's a pretty good indication that it actually was never about the way that your body looks. Mm -hmm. Well, you know what I'm hearing then? I'm hearing that as you're, as you're, speaking, I'm listening and I'm hearing that really what mothers should be focusing on is the underlying layer. I mean, at some point you lose control as a mother, right? I'm losing control. My son's only seven. So I can't imagine, you know, now as a teenager, you you can't control what that child eats, doesn't eat, you know, Mm -hmm. other than tying them down and force feeding them. There's no, there's, you're, you're losing that control. So really the, the action item could be working on building that self-esteem and working on those underlying things that have nothing to do with food in essence. Exactly. And I love that you said this, you get to a point where you can't control your child. I would say the 
best thing you can do is to stop trying to exert control (laughs) on their eating. Because what that does is it causes, especially in that age, you're looking for autonomy and you're looking for independence. And it starts at two years old, like the terrible twos. And then that goes on until you're 18, 19. And the more you try to exert control, the more they're likely to rebel and to resist. And so when you give them that sense of, you know what, I'm going to offer you all of these foods, right? You're going to have healthy foods, you're going to have unhealthy foods in the house. And you instill those positive habits of, okay, well, why don't we make sure that we have vegetables with every meal, right? And you can still have that piece of cake if you want it. And you don't have to finish your plate before you eat dessert. And you're giving themselves that space. What what they're going to notice is, oh God, it doesn't feel good. And you can also talk about, okay, how does that food make you feel, right? And having those discussions and helping them reconnect their physical sensations around food, you get to make those decisions from a place of, okay, this is, I want to feel good, right? And I want to, to fuel my body in a positive way. And then, like you said, it is about focusing on that deeper layer of, if you are constantly turning to junk or whatever it is, what's the underlying reason? Is it number one, because you are trying to numb negative emotions? Is your child going through something that they don't want to talk about? Do they feel, do they have low self-esteem, low body image? What's the cause of that? And, and I have, I would say a very, there's so much that we can talk about, but an aside is if you are noticing your daughter having some body image issues is to suggest kind of, let's take a look at what you expose yourself every single day. Are you following accounts on Instagram that make you feel worse about yourself? You know, those fitness motivations that have an eight pack ab and like these guns of steel that tell you you should be eating a salad for every meal. That's not realistic. You're not going to be able to achieve that. And it's going to make you feel worse about yourself, right? So do you have those positive, those positive experiences expositions every single day on your Instagram, on your Facebook. So definitely that's a little aside, but also if, if it's not about, you know, you're trying to numb emotions, maybe you just simply aren't aware of your eating habits. Maybe you're just so distracted. You're always eating while scrolling on your phone, while watching TV, while working that you aren't even conscious of what you do every single day. And that's also a big one. We're such a fast-paced, distracted, autopilot society that we stop being present. And that's what I really love about the Italian culture is that mealtime is an experience. You are present, you slow down, you enjoy your food, you are grateful for it. And that's a really important thing to be able to reconnect to, whether you are a teenager, a toddler, or an adult. I... I I was thinking about what you said earlier about looking at a picture of yourself from years ago. And, you know, I know this episode is about young girls, right? But um, I think moms also struggle with this in a, in a very different way. And, you know, I look at pictures from pre-childbirth and I'm like, wow, what was I complaining about, right? But I, I think, um, and I, I gained 70 pounds when I was pregnant. So it was very difficult for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I 
after I had my son, I actually lost, um, I weighed less than I did before I had him. And that has evened out over time. And I no longer weigh less than I did before I had him, but I, you know, I, I do eat differently and I eat very unhealthy now, you know, but, um, like you said, fast paced this, you know, and, and, and when do I have time? Let me just shove a granola bar in my mouth. Maybe it's an M&M, you know, I mean, or, you know, when I have time, then I find myself stuffing myself. Right. And mm-hmm. I'm there's, and then I used to go to the gym every day and then, you know, kids get older and they do more things and now you're running around even more and, and you know, you lose time. And so that was, um, for, for me personally, I always believed that I could eat whatever I wanted as long as I was, you know, physically doing something every day. It didn't matter as much to me, you know, Mm -hmm. um, because I was, I was, even if it wasn't for weight loss, I felt like I was counteracting whatever unhealthy stuff I was putting in my body. And Mm -hmm. so, um, you know, when you lose that and then, you know, you stand here and you look back and you're like, okay, I was complaining then now I'm just grateful that I don't, you know, I I should be like a hundred pounds more than I am, you know, but I, I, I am just grateful to look the way I look most days, most days, because I I think about 70 pounds and coming back from that. And then, you know, being so busy, it's almost like, okay, I'm not doing terrible. Do I want to change things? Yeah, absolutely. But I think a lot of moms don't just want to, you know, um, aren't comfortable with that. Some days I'm not either, you know, so I can only imagine how a lot of moms feel like I don't look how I used to look. Mm -hmm. And so what, you know, how do you juggle? And you talk about nurses. I mean, how do moms juggle? They're working and momming. And like, you know, when do you have time to do, to to eat intuitively? When do you have time for that? Okay. So that's (laughs) a really important thing to also talk about is to realize that health does not always equal lower weight. Mm-hmm. And being able to acknowledge that your body is going to change throughout your life. And the goal isn't necessarily, okay, how small can I get my body? How much weight can I lose? It's what habits can I do every single day that are going to make me feel good, that are going to create a healthy, sustainable lifestyle, something that I can do for the rest of my life. And this concept of how do I have time to be an intuitive eater? The thing is that no matter what, you're eating right? <laughs> every single day. And so why not do it in a way that feels good, right? Why not do it in a way that promotes, you know, a healthy relationship with food? And so I guess right now I think you're you're focusing a little bit more on the chaotic eater, the one mm. who's always on the go, the one who's yeah. unconscious, right? So Number one is for those kind of eaters, it really is to create a system for your life, to create processes and daily habits and rituals that are going to help you be better prepared. Because it's actually not about not having the time. It's about not being prepared ahead of time. Because no matter what you end up having to eat and no matter what you end up losing that time. And so for me, for example, I make sure and and I'm not saying meal prepping is for everyone because meal prepping might not work for you. But chances are your routine is pretty similar from week to week. And starting to become aware of, okay, I'm noticing that every single day at this time, I get extremely hungry. Or every single day at this time, I go like four hours without being able to eat. Mm 
So looking at those times where you tend to not have the time to eat, and then you implement the concept of gentle nutrition, which is this whole other concept that I don't think we have time to go into. But it's okay, if I'm about to go into a four hour meeting, I might not be hungry right now. But if I don't eat something now, by the time I get out of that meeting, I'm going to be famished. And I'm going to eat anything in sight. So what is something that I can have right now that's going to hold me over, that's going to make me feel good? And then I would say when it comes to those meals and those snacks, trying to balance two to three macronutrients. So trying to get some protein and some carbs and some healthy fats or two of the three in there, because that's going to hold you over for longer than just, okay, I'm going to shove an apple in my mouth. It's going to last me an hour. And then I'm still going to be starving by the time I'm done that meeting. That makes sense. It does. So I know you've given us some great tips along the way, but if you had to package up your, your favorites, your favorite tips, right? So what would you say? Okay. And, and, Maybe I should divide this into two sections, right? For for young girls and for moms who are now, you know, looking at themselves years later and going, what the hell happened to my body? Where did it go? <laughs> so, mm-hmm. and how do I eat better? You know, how do I have a better relationship with food? Because I don't want to feel miserable every day when I look in, you know, the mirror and I feel like crap because I eat ice cream for seven meals a week. And, you know, I, I mean, and I'm maybe speaking from experience, but yeah. Um, <laughs> so, you know, um, you know, you're, Let's talk, you know, cheat day sweets, you know, how, you know, we've talked about some habits. We've talked about, you know, not using the negative language, bad foods. Um, You know, what would you leave us with if you, if you could package up your favorite advice? Okay. I love that you mentioned cheat days. Um, Trying to, I am definitely not a fan of cheat days. (laughs) Um, And the reason why is a lot of the times what happens is you try to be good for a couple of days. And then you're like, I'm going to have this one day where I'm just going to eat whatever I want. And I'm going to let all the rules go out the window. And you're still disconnecting from your body when you do that. Because cheat days, normally at the end of the day, you don't feel good, right? You are like, oh my God, I ate way too much. I ate the ice cream and the pizza and the fries. And then you're like, okay, tomorrow I'll start again. And then it's kind of like a roller coaster on and on and on. So I would say number one is to look at, okay, on, on average, on, on a weekly basis, how can I make small changes that will make me feel good and really starting small. So if you're someone right now, it's hard because there's so many different types of eaters, but if you're someone right now, who's like, I eat terribly and I don't want to do a diet because overhauling my entire lifestyle, overhauling my entire eating habits. It's not going to work. I've done it before. I can only do it for a couple of weeks. Um, Start with, okay, what can I do that's going to make a bit of a, a a bit of a difference? So can I start with adding one portion of vegetables with one meal every day? Or can I start with breakfast? Okay, so right now my breakfast is definitely not healthy. So can I start with making a small tweak? Maybe it's adding a little bit of protein to your breakfast. Maybe it's, okay, I'm going to add a piece of fruit every day. 
And I'm going to build on that, but not trying to go from zero to a hundred and just making those small changes while still allowing yourself to have that ice cream or that cookie or that piece of cake when you're body is like, oh, I'm craving something sweet. Not demonizing those treats or those indulgences because you're never going to be able to cut those out completely. So to tell yourself you can't have those foods, it's going to only last for so long before your willpower, your motivation breaks. And then because you haven't had it for so long, instead of having the one cookie that you would would have had, you end up having 10 because your body has just has picked up on the mentality of, I don't know when's the next time I'm going to allow myself to have this food. So might as well eat as much as I can Mm -hmm. now. I noticed that too. Um, You know, there are some moms and everybody's got their own parenting style, right? But there are some moms who are very adamant about no sweets or no whatever it might be insert. And um, what I noticed is that those children only from my experience, those children tend to want it so much more and then go crazy when they do get it where, you know, I have a very strange parenting style, which bites me in the ass sometimes. But in this particular, this particular example, it it has actually come to benefit me because my son, um, I never told him he couldn't have anything, right? And probably should tell him I couldn't have some things, but I I never told him he couldn't have sweets, right? Uh, Chocolate, Mm -hmm. ice cream, cookies, whatever it might be. And, um, he kind of doesn't really like want him, you know, like he likes his Oreos. Don't get me wrong, you know, and he'll, but he'll go through these phases where he's like, ah, I don't want Oreos for like seven days. And then all of a sudden I'll have a few Oreos and he'll go on like an Oreo cake for three days. But it's not like um this obsessive feeling, you know, he, he likes his chocolate, his Hershey chocolate bars, but yeah. he'll go weeks without having them. And, you know, he's like, all right, whatever. Now I really want one. And he gets, you know, once he gets focused on that Hershey bar after a while, he wants it. But it's not like he's every day with the sweets, with the sweets, with the sweets. I've tried, you know, like, do you have any Halloweens? I've been like, Michael, do you want candy? Like, yeah. Like, and I eat it. But, you know, I'm like, okay. You know, like I'm pushing. So like, here, you want ice cream? You know, like I was like, oh, let's Mr. Softies. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. I'm alone. <laughs> That's exactly it is when you do allow yourself, your kids to have that permission and you're not making them feel like these are foods you can't eat. Yeah. It becomes that take it or leave it and, and, and not trying to, you know, push those foods on them mm-hmm. because their bodies are going to know. And it is so normal to go through that, that, that pattern that you mentioned of sometimes they're going to want that food for a couple of days, maybe a couple of weeks. And then they're not going to want it for a long time. Mm-hmm. And that is normal. That is okay. And when you look at it, okay, what does my kid eat in the grand scheme of things? Not one meal, not one day, not one week. But if you were to lay out all the foods that they eat, it usually balances out if you're offering those fruits and those vegetables. And so as scary it is, it is because it's your child and you want what's best for them, They, their body knows what's best for them. Mm-hmm. And when you take away that control and you allow them to make that choice, as you said, you saw, they're like, mm, I don't really yeah. need it. Whereas there are some, some kids who I I had a best friend who she never had chips in the house. Mm -hmm. And every time she came over to my place, 
she ate the entire mm-hmm. family size bag and felt like crap after mm-hmm. because it was like, okay, well, this is a special thing that I never right. get to eat. So I'm just going to eat as much. I don't know what I'm going to cut it again, right? <laughs> even if my body doesn't want, you know, you might have a few and that feels good. And then after the half a bag, your body is like, chill. Like I don't want it anymore, <laughs> but you're like, I, I got to get as much as I possibly can. Oh my gosh. I don't need to laugh, but I could just see it. Like, I don't know what I'm going to have any more chips. I have to eat them now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, you know, I think what I've heard here, um, and I am, you know, on another episode, we are going to talk more about, you know, feeding our young children and, you know, chicken nuggets and stuff like that. So that's a whole other story. But I think, um, you know, the foundation that you're talking about is really, you know, making those changes as the mother, you know, making those changes, even subtly, you don't, you know, not even talking about it with the child, you know, just like you have dinner tonight and now there's like a bowl of broccoli, you know, like, Mm -hmm. and not even, you know, and that's what I'm hearing and how I could see myself incorporating that into my life. Uh, you know, I've been worrying lately because my son's been eating a lot of chicken nuggets and French fries. Just he's been like OD with the chicken nuggets and French fries and mac and cheese. And I'm like, all right, but you know what? When I do put that vegetable out there, most of the time he'll eat it. You know, I mean, not a lot of it, but he'll eat it. You know, and certain ones he doesn't like, but others he will eat. And so, mm-hmm. you know, slipping in that um, in into his lunchbox, slipping in like two baby carrots, you know, just, and he'll eat them. He'll eat them because he doesn't eat them all the time. He's not forced to eat them all the time and he'll eat them as, and, and so those little changes that you talk about, I think is really valuable for moms to, you know, even if your daughters are older, um, you know, they're teenagers now just kind of incorporating that stuff subtly, you know, you have that control to put the food on the table or what you put in your fridge. Yeah. And, and, and focusing more on how can I add, right? Mm -hmm. If you're making spaghetti, can I add some mushrooms or some peppers in the sauce Mm -hmm. instead of, okay, you can't have that mac and cheese anymore. Let's have some mac and cheese and maybe a side salad on the side. How can I add more instead of taking away? Right. Right. That's valuable. That is really valuable. Well, is there anything else that I'm missing that I should be asking about that I'm not? Um, I mean, this is such a, as you can probably see from now, this is such a extensive topic and there are so many things at play here. Um, but I would say if there are any of your moms listening right now who can resonate to any of this, because there's so many different Mm -hmm. kind of eaters and there's so many different things that can be going on with your Mm -hmm. daughters. Um, there's a really good book that I, recommend everyone gets, which is called intuitive eating. And it really breaks it down. And there is a full section on how to handle eating and and, um, raising your kids to be an intuitive eater. And so that I would definitely recommend you can put in the show notes. Um, I'll send you the link for it. And anyone who feels like, Oh, my God, I need to work on myself, or I need to work on my daughters or my son. Um, this is a step-by-step. It is so helpful. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you for that. Mm -hmm. And thank you so much for joining us today. I really, really, again, do appreciate you talking about this important topic. Like you said, we eat all day, every day. Can't stop. So it's, it's important. And it is my pleasure.